do do here we go my name is todd and this is kathy welcome back to another episode of zen parenting radio this is podcast number 648 why listen to zen parenting radio because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding uh, we are recording on zoom so if there's anybody out there that would rather watch this podcast it's in the show notes and you can watch us um, and see Todd's rainbow hoodie and see my rainbow hoodie that I decided to wear today. Um, the theme of today's show is the sound effect. Let's play that again, shall we? And will you tease out why so, we're calling it that? If you can't understand it, because sometimes you don't know what someone's saying until somebody tells you and then you can hear it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those things online where they'll say, I think I, I saw it on TikTok where it's like, you depending on what word you read is what you'll hear yeah have you seen that before no but i've heard many different versions of that yeah just it's just the way our brains work but anyway that dude is saying regroup regroup team regroup team we need to regroup um what do we need to regroup from so many things i just first of all we weren't here last week um because i had a 50 year old procedure i can't i it's i don't like being at this age where like we have to have all these procedures. I totally am for it. Meaning I, I had a, my first colonoscopy. I'm 50. Um, but I'm totally for it. Thank you. And all is well, all is well. And I'm totally for the mammograms and I'm for the pap smears and I'm for all the testing that we, sh- what do you get done when you go? Like, what do you, what do dudes have to do? Um, prostate think, check. Yeah. yeah. Don't colonoscopy. girls have to do prostate checks too? Or do you guys you have, have a, no, we don't have a prostate. You, know, you don't have no prostate. You don't have no, you don't have any prostate. <laughs> I ain't got no. Uh, um, I, I don't even do know not. what a prostate is. What's a prostate? It's, it's how you go pee, how men go pee. You know, honestly, I'm just going to say, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. I just know you have it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a walnut sized gland between the bladder and the penis. Okay. So that would mean I don't. So have you one. don't have to get a prostate exam. Check. <laughs> and just like you don't have to get a pap smear. Yes. Thank goodness. Okay. So I am for all of it. It's just interesting because I used to way back when, when I was younger, I would like go for one of those tests maybe once every two or three years. And now I feel like every year there's this three or four months where I'm having a test and a test and a test. <laughs> and I just, and it's all good. It's just, a, it's an interesting part of getting older. Yeah. And the women have always had to do a lot right. more tests than the men. Agreed. Which is yet another um, version of the inequality, which I'm going to talk about here in a second. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the person who is able to make a mammogram machine that isn't so crazy and mm-hmm. and what we have to do what are the odds of those machines being developed by women versus men i don't know and and i have said this every time i go in it's always my conversation with the um the nurse who is helping me and they're always amazing and supportive and helpful and i'm always like this is just such a crazy <laughs> experience and there's got to be another way but for now we're grateful for what we have like this is like the this conversation is really about being appreciative of what you can get done mm. and also being imaginative about what's possible. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't mean that I'm upset about it. It means that sometimes I'm like, there's, there could be something better here, something out there. So anyway, we weren't here last week, so we're regrouping because there's a bunch of things we weren't able to talk about. One of them, Todd, a very minor one. So let's get, <laughs> let's, get let's get this out of the way. 
two weeks ago, I was talking about my favorite author. And I said that, that my favorite author's husband, Charles Lindbergh, was represented in the movie The Aviator. Mm-hmm. And that was not true. Yeah. That's a Howard Hughes movie. He was represented in the book, The Aviator's Wife, uh-huh. which was like, it was a huge book. Melanie Benjamin wrote it. And, you know, everybody kind of got to know Anne and Charles through that book. And I just, it was like, it was funny because I told Todd I was listening to the show. I said at the beginning of the show, and I myself yelled at myself and said, no, duh. Allow myself to introduce <laughs> myself. So that's a regroup. So that's one of mine. What's one of yours, Todd? Uh, well, we'll get more into it. But first, I want to promote your book, your mm. audiobook. I'm sharing our screen for those of you who are watching on YouTube. Oh, yes. Our friend Brad, who does all our web stuff, put on a sample link. What on- is a prostate? Is <laughs> up at the top. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you- look, see, I oh. can see it all. But, but can you see your, your book? Yeah, 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 I okay. can. I'm just You're looking throwing at me the off other a little stuff. Bit. I'm sorry, sweetie. Um, <laughs> you can click on the sample. What happens when you press the sample, sweetheart? Uh, it starts to play the prologue of my book. Got it. Okay, so mm-hmm. you can do it. Um, it's free. So it's like, so if you are interested in the audiobook, um, you can go get it or listen to that first and then dive in from there. Um, the second thing is Zen Parenting and Men Living is doing a fundraiser slash March Madness tournament Ooh. that starts this Thursday. Um, but instead of us tracking the guys tournament, we're going to track the women's tournament. Nice. Because I want to use our influence, our eyeballs uh, to watch the women and track the women. Um, so I sign, I filled out a bracket for you this morning, sweetheart. Why'd you fill it out? Um, I, you can, you can ch- make your changes, yeah, but me, I did like me. an auto populate thing. And just as of now you have South Carolina beating Stanford in the finals. I don't know if how I feel about that. <laughs> so anyways, you can I, make changes to yes. your picks. I don't want to do auto. I go by intuition. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so if you want to, it's 10 bucks, half goes to men living, men living, giving campaign so we can reach more men. And the other half goes to the winners. So um, I filled out five brackets for each member of our family. Okay. So, so how do people do this? Click on the link in the show notes below. Oh, nice. Yeah. And then is it on men living website? Um, well, you'll start a men living website. And then in the description, you'll have to fill out an ESPN login, which is kind of a bummer, but that's the only way I can manage the brackets. So you do have to create an ESPN login thing. But it's fun. And it's 10 bucks. 10 bucks. And then what does the winner get? Money? Money. Oh, money. And you're giving to a good cause. And we're giving to a good cause. Um, I also, in the the words of uh, equity, Mm -hmm. um, there's a woman, a young woman. I think she's, I don't know how old she is. Mm -hmm. June Welch. Okay. She made history at the state championships. Well, um, she won the state tournament at, I think the 113 pound bracket. Uh-huh. And she responded emphatically to the historical statement that girls should not wrestle boys. So this girl mm-hmm. is the top wrestler in the state of South Carolina. Amazing. Um, she said they can obviously because I did, <laughs> I wanted to win the whole thing when we came here. Winning my semifinal match made me want to win more. What's even more impressive Mm -hmm. is that Welch, that's this young woman, was pinned by her opponent in the final of the tournament a week ago. So she got worked a week before the state championships by the guy that she ended up beating. Oh, I get it. I get it. So it was a week before meeting. It wasn't. So she lost to this guy, to this young man. And then she won 15 to two 
in the state championship. Oh my gosh. So I just want to say kudos to June Welch. And then last but not least, um, in one of my newsletters that I get, uh, gender equity, the US ranks 38th in the world of the newly released 2022 gender equity index. Do you have any idea who's the first, sweetie? Just throw out a few countries and I'll tell you where they land. Uh, China. China is not on the list. Okay. Um, let's say um, Norway. Norway is fourth. Wow. Finland is third. Of course. Iceland is second. And Sweden is the first. Hey, The Bachelor was just in Iceland. Yes. Um, so anyways. What was first? Sweden. And where is Italy? Uh, Italy is 16th. Not bad. Not bad. And so me? we've got a lot of work to do in the United you States. think? These are not surprising statistics. This is what we need to regroup, my friends. Yes. There's a lot of um, thoughts that I have about these regrouping things. Um, hold on a second. <laughs> Regroup team. Um, last but not least, you wrote a um, Zen Parenting Moment last Friday. And it was, let me see if I can find it. Um, I'm just not very organized today. Uh, oh. So this is a quote from Gabor Mate. We've been watching his uh, documentary this yeah, weekend. I'm actually going to play a clip of it oh, in a second. Good. When we have prevented, when we have been prevented from learning how to say no, our bodies may end up saying it for us. And the title of your moment is called Body Disconnection. Mm-hmm. And I just want to read two quick paragraphs sure. from it. Feeling disconnected from our bodies disassociates, uh, disassociates us from our actions, leading us to consciously or unconsciously hurt ourselves. We may do it through overeating or drinking, smoking or vaping or cutting as so many young girls tend to do. Self-harm distracts us from our minds so we can find some kind of control, release emotional tension or feel something when we feel numb. Mm -hmm. We stop paying attention or even noticing signals of pain and override messages of fear or discomfort to avoid acting on what our bodies are trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. In conclusion, you wrote, Mm -hmm. We forget that we live inside the body we are ignoring right. or harming. Right. Losing track of the fact that our bodies have the wisdom to keep us alive and well. Establishing a foundation begins with bringing mind and body back together. It's not about choosing one or the other, but about joining what was never supposed to be separated. I think that's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's thank wonderful, you, sweetie. Well, and that's very good for those of you who are reading Zen Parenting or um, re- or listening to Zen Parenting, the book it is part of chakra one. So the mind body connection obviously is important throughout every chakra, throughout every aspect of your life, but the mind body connection is very much about belonging and sense of self and rootedness. If you, if you, there are so many people who don't realize they live in a body. They're like a floating mind. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter and I were talking this morning. We we're actually talking about periods and just about how it can make your body feel. Um, some people, you know, I, I kind of, I am a sex ed teacher. So when I talk to kids about their period, I do not come across as being like, oh, isn't it awful? Or, oh, you just have to deal with it. I talk about the positive aspects of it, obviously the amazingness of what it's doing in the first place, um, you know, how it's managing itself and self-cleaning, but also how that is what ends up allowing us to have children if we so choose. But I also talk about how there is like a, our body is working hard when we are, you know, during our cycle and that there's intention to it and that we really need to listen to it. Like I, you know, we get very frustrated, like, oh, I'm tired because my period, it's like, well, 
that's a signal from the body. Slow down. I'm working hard. Mm -hmm. And to do this, to rid your body of toxicity, because that's what it's doing too. It's not just, you know, about the, to me, it's not just about the inner inter uterine layer. It's about, it's getting rid of everything from mm -hmm. the month. Like I feel as a woman in some ways grateful for that. You don't get that experience mm -hmm. every month where it's like, I'm going to release yeah. everything and start again. Um, so that's the way I look at it. And that's why I try and talk about it. So people kind of get a broader understanding, but when our body's like, I'm tired or when there's a headache or when there's like, Oh, you know, I really, that's a tuning into our body. What does it need us to do? Mm -hmm. Does it need us to slow down? And, and at the same time, I'm also all for taking Advil if you need it. It's sure. not that we then suffer in it, but when people tell me they're like, you know, when I say to someone, do you have a headache or do you feel this way? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know? Like, can you not feel your body or when, you know, do you get cramps? I don't think so. It's like, you either know, like, do you feel yourself? And so many of us have been trained to stay in our brain. And some of that has been because we've had pain done to our body, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually. Um, and so we've learned to stay out of our body. So this is not a blame game. This is a, we, we have maybe been forced to separate from our body. We may have disassociated. As a coping mechanism. Exactly. And so part of healing is bringing that back together and it can be scary. And, um, and it also, <laughs> the thing that I was saying in that is that, then we also have to listen to our body, meaning some people can be really rational in their mind about what they're going to do. And, but their body tells them otherwise, like I have had experiences in my life where I'm like, I really want to do this. And in my mind, it makes sense. I'm pleasing people. I'm not disappointing anybody. And my body's like, you can't, mm -hmm. sorry. Like, and how does that show up for me? My stomach gets all like knotted up. I'm my chest gets tight and my body is telling me not for you. Mm -hmm. So even though it sounds rational or someone's like, I'll pay you this much money or someone's like, this will be great later. Don't worry. It sounds good in theory. It looks good on paper, but my body's like, you can't do it. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Well, and you know, what do I know? But I do think that guys have uh, more of a tendency to pushing emotion down. Mm -hmm. And I'm just now connecting to the dots is women do once a month have the ability to have this physical release yeah. and us guys, um, don't have that same ability. Yeah. Um, so I just wonder if there's any connection there. Like maybe if we had periods once a month, we would be <laughs> less repressed emotionally. I don't know. And, and my, my talking about, um, the cycle that way is something I've learned to appreciate and understand yeah. it with my own learning. I don't think if you went to a general practitioner, they would be like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. that you're releasing emotions. Maybe some, you know, some may, um, but I, you know, it's, it's so deeper than just a period. Yeah. It's not just something we have to deal with. It's a, it's an awareness of ourselves and how we are connected to what's going on in the world. Like, you know, just like stress, for example, or, um, you know, people who are not eating enough or struggling with eating disorders, they don't get their period mm -hmm. because their body can't do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that is, or, you know, you skip a cycle because your body is so overwhelmed. Like that's messages. That's sure. like, I'm not getting what I need to take care of what I need to take care of. Well, and it just sounds like what you're saying is tune into your body. Absolutely. And some people have a, are conditioned to do that very well. And other people, whether, whether it's by choice or by social conditioning, really struggle. And I'm raising my hand is I'm getting a little bit more in tune mm -hmm. as I get a little bit older, but you know, there's mm -hmm. decades where I 
could, you'd say tune into your body. And I'd be like, I have no idea what you mean. You, do, you didn't know what it was feeling. Whereas now a lot of the work that I hear you doing with men is about when you feel a feeling, where are you feeling it in your body and why talk about a let's regroup. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is you're saying, okay, I don't feel this very much in my body. So I'm going to create a practice. Mm -hmm. I'm going to regroup here yeah. and create a practice where I am at least attempting to recognize something because, you know, you got to give yourself the possibility, a, a possibility of doing it. And for most of, well, I go through a lot of my days, not giving myself that opportunity, right? Because I'm too busy in my head. Well, and you and many of us have learned or we've had outward success, or we have felt safe by staying in our mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, our mind has amazing coping uh, mechanisms, especially when we're getting hurt, or when we're feeling like we don't belong, our brain can do amazing things to make us feel safe again. Mm -hmm. Our body knows the truth about our emotions, yes, right? Yes. And so I, as a therapist, and as somebody who has struggled with this connection at times, I totally get it. It's not a, oh, you don't tap into your body. What's wrong with you? It's a notice the separation. You know what I mean? It's a recognizing that there is a big missing piece if you are only being a rational you know, there and bodies are rational too. What I mean is if you're only focusing on data, yeah, like because data is not the end of the story for you. Well, and here is 60 seconds from this documentary. It's called The Wisdom of Trauma. Uh -huh. It's um it's about an author, doctor named Gabor Mate. And I think it's a nice segue into what you're saying. Sure. So here we go. Why do we get disconnected? Because it's too painful to be ourselves. So you sort of a bit like in the Matrix when Neo sees everything's made out of numbers. You look at people and you see all their trauma and damage. That's and what I see. So trauma is not the bad things that happen to you, but what happens inside you as a result of what happens to you. What do you want to tell me? What comes up right now? Shame. Thank you. So that's just a quick clip. Well, it's wonderful. And one of the things that he talks about, Gabor Mate talks about is when something happens to us, if it be when we're very small or when we're adults, but more so when we're young, I'll focus on childhood. It's not about just the trauma. It's about what happens after. Mm -hmm. If you have an experience that is very challenging, abusive, and somebody allows you to talk about it, release it, holds you um, you have, you know, validates you, loves you, you can work that through. Meaning my, my social work students get very nervous when we talk about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, because so many of them have had, they, they have a high number, sure. not all of them, but very many of them have a high number of adverse childhood experiences. So when I talk about how ACEs tend to dictate our physicality, <laughs> in the future and our emotional well-being, they're like, oh my God, like this is scary to me. And what I, what we always have to remember as clinicians and as people who support other people is their trauma can be released in, in the moment after it happens. Like as if a child comes home and something happens, like they have a bullying experience and they're scared and they're sad and a parent holds them and listens and allows them to release and tells them they belong and is with them, that child is not going to, I'm not saying it won't affect them in the future at all, but it's not going to get like harnessed in there mm -hmm. the way that it would if a child comes home and says, I'm really struggling. The parents like, you're fine. 
yeah. you know, move on. That would be in Eckhart's terms, a pain body. Exactly. Where they then feel like they have to deal with it themselves. And because they simply can't, they're going to store it somewhere mm-hmm. and their body's going to remember it. They're going to, you know, bypass it. So he, I, I really, so I'll have the link yeah. in this documentary. And just so everybody knows we paid 15 bucks. It's like donation optional. You can get it for free. So if you if you happen to not be in a position to spend money on it, you can get it for free. It's an hour and a half. And what it did for me is it helped me touch my heart a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very endearing, you, a lot of it is about people on the street, homeless people and how he works with them. But also people who are dealing with addiction sure. and his compassionate approach to addiction. He sits in, you know, and we know this, Todd and I talk about this a lot, but to see this in action and prisoners, mm-hmm. Where someone says to someone who has dealt with addiction their whole life, you understand that addiction became the your way of getting through life. Yeah, it's a solution to it a problem. It was a solution to your problem. Now, of course, it's not a great solution in the long term, and it's not it's not what we want right. for anybody. But when you look at someone and you say, God, how could you have done that? It was a coping tool mm-hmm. for pain and trauma this person was experiencing, and they needed to keep going. Yeah. And so there, the separation was already there and they're like, how do I keep going? I'll use this, yeah. whatever this may be. And I, I took some notes. I'm reading a book by Dr. Mark Brackett called Permission to Feel. And he was talking to Brene Brown in a podcast and Brene asked something like, well, why do we have to feel? Like, isn't it kind of a waste of, <laughs> and he very practically said, there's three reasons why it's important. One is it really does help our decision-making process. Sure. Like if we can identify what we're feeling in a moment, then it helps us become better decision right. makers, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. It's much more, it's much easier to be in relationship with a, another person. Of course. If you have the ability, he calls them, if you're an emotional scientist, mm-hmm. that's the word he uses. Uh, there's emotional judgy, judges, which is kind of the ones who judge self and others about their emotion. And then there's emotional scientists. And that's like a, a curiosity, like, oh, what, what am I feeling right now? What are they feeling right now? So it's really helpful. And then the third reason is because it's it directly infa- impacts your physical and mental health. Yeah. So like if, because I work with guys, like feelings are are a distraction. Mm. And these are three very practical reasons of how they'll keep you alive. Well, and it's just, it's it not you are funny, but it's funny that anyone, to me, that anyone would be like, why do I need these? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand. I don't know. I don't even understand that question. Mm. Like, I don't know how to be a human without emotions. Like, and I know people have them shut down for sure. and people, but then they're walking through life on autopilot because feelings are the messages and arrows of everyday living. Well, and I would say a lot of people would agree with those statements of, yeah, the, I'm, I'm in, I'm on board with feelings being important yet <clears throat> the way I sometimes conduct myself and don't give myself the space to feel a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing to agree with it in words. It's mm-hmm. another thing to actually behave and practice in such a way where you value the feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your kids' feelings, anger, right, sadness, fear. Like we get all jacked up when our kids feel their feelings right. and it's actually a really good thing. doesn't mean it's good when they hit each other and smack each other or whatever, well, if we can give them an opportunity to channel it in a healthy way. You're right. And I'm sorry, I kept talking over you there. The, the, the thing that I would say, it's not only good, it's human. Yeah. Like let's, let's eliminate the words that dictate whether it's like good or bad. Mm -hmm. It just is. And that 
relieves us of the pressure of, should I be, should I be supporting this or not supporting this? It doesn't matter because they're going to have feelings just like you are. You can say you're not having feelings, but the more you protest having feelings, the more feelings I know you're having, you are repressing them. You are ashamed. You, You feel guilty about them. You feel that if you let them out, then you are showing too much of yourself. It's a vulnerability. Sure. Um, so like always, I have to get a Kleenex. Hold on. All right. Um, so I think now is a good time to transition over to regroup team. All right. So regroup. Where are we going with well, this? this I, I think we keep going with this. Like one thing that I want to tap into, and I'm not going to go too deep into this, but I need to, it, it connects with regrouping is okay. So these laws, this, don't say gay bill in Florida. And I know people will say, that's not what it's really called. It's what it's called to me. Um, I have read about it. I have read it, not in the intricate, you know, not, not the way that maybe a Senator should be reading it. Um, and these other bills about, you know, in Iowa with the transgender laws, I, I, I'm what I want to say about it because it makes me very upset, talk about emotions in the body, um, is that I've read other people's opinions about it. Um, I have read people saying, well, the reason why I'm supporting this is because this thing happened to my child or my child had an experience with this. And so I would like to control this and legislate this because my child experienced pain. And what I will say back to those people is because of an experience you had, maybe one or two experiences, you are making a decision to legislate something that hurts more children. Mm -hmm. So I am not disregarding your pain, the person who has felt hurt or uncomfortable or or their child has heard something at school that somehow scared you. Mm -hmm. But I'm also saying to you, we're not doing this right because you are harming families you are harming children who are born into certain families, regardless of their sexuality. They may come from a you know a same-sex family or um, have a parent who is transgender or have experiences in their everyday living that does necessitate discussion about what it means to you know have a gender identity or a sexual identity. That is not something that they're too young to hear. That is something that is a reality of their life, which is the way I view it to overall from birth on. And for people who are like, this is, I just don't want my child to have this experience in you having, making that decision or supporting legislation is harming so many other people. And I will just say that as like a consideration for when we are saying, I want to protect people these laws, and and I will also say they are political bait. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, a a whistle to certain communities to vote for certain people. I don't know why we're spending time focusing on disparaging families and children for being who they are. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's a, it's a shifting away from what's most important and not focusing on what we really believe, which is let's take care of everybody. Let's honor everybody's dignity. Let's allow people to live in love. If you really believe that this doesn't make sense to me. And I, I know I'm not alone in saying this. And I also know that I've had people come back to me and say, Nope, this is how I, I feel, but that's just something I wanted to share for consideration. Yeah, and I feel like what you're saying is there's some people that have different viewpoints on this Florida law, let's say, and it does 
impact them on an individual basis or on a smaller scale basis for whatever reason, because their belief system, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And what I hear you saying is let's honor that hurt, but at the same time, look at the the whole, the the expansive and see exactly how all of these puzzle pieces fit together. Because I think what happens is sometimes human beings, myself included, we look at something, just how it's impacting me. That's thank you. I I appreciate the clarity is that I understand, you know, I work with a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people. I get how people are like, but this is important to me. Mm -hmm. My child had this experience. I believe, you know, this is my religion or this is my value system. I hear you, but the way you're going about it is you are hurting other people. So that may not be the right approach. It doesn't, take away your experience. It doesn't, um, it's not other people saying what happened to you doesn't matter. It's just a, a wider perspective, like you said, on how harmful this is and what this says, like, you know, my oldest daughter, um, is gay and she was going to Florida for the, for spring break and had planned it a long time ago. And she was, and she's old enough to like, understand this and read about this and know about this. She's 18 years old. And she's like, it's really weird to go there and know that there's so many people who don't like me. Mm -hmm. And now I had to like, kind of walk her through that understanding that really nothing has changed. There's just now new legislation because there's a group of people who, but I, I, and again, I'm saying this as somebody who has worked with people who have dealt with this when it comes to race, when it comes to their sexuality, this is not new information. I'm not feeling this way just because of my daughter. It was just You're one of those, I'm looking at the whole and saying, gosh, the, your intention may have been one thing, but the impact is so much different. Mm-hmm. And it's less about, for those who are like, oh, it's about woke culture. It's not about, I don't even know what woke co- culture means anymore, but it's about compassion and dignity of all people. I, I see it such, um, and, and I'm sure I'll get emails. Like I always do from people saying, no, look at, look at this, look at this. I hear your experience, but this may not be the right thing to do. Yeah. And, um, I think it's like the me versus the we, Yeah. and is. let's look at the, we, and this is kind of a slightly different illustration, but I'm spending very little time on social media these days, but I was on there last week and it was a bunch of people complaining about they're taking pictures of how much a gallon of gas costs. And we all know why, why at least one of the reasons that gas is going up is because we're no longer importing any gasoline from Russia. Right. And, and my invitation is, and this is me firmly with my judgmental hat on is for those. Why don't you not say judgmental and say, and I'm saying this because it's not a negative thing. It's a compassionate hat. Wouldn't you say? It just depends on how you look at it. Okay. So I'm judging okay. the people that are complaining about the price of gas. Now I also am acknowledging the fact that I'm lucky enough that if the gas goes up, I still have food on the table. Right. So I understand that there are a bunch of different people with a lot of different situations where it does impact everybody differently. Mm-hmm. So I just want to like say that out loud, but then you look at the images of all the things that are going on in Ukraine right now. And I'm like, this is a price to pay that is important for the world to settle down. And it's not just about Ukraine. It's about democracy, right? Yeah. Ukraine is the specific, exactly. but if this 
if if Ukraine goes in a certain way, it could more directly impact Absolutely. Europe. And if and if it impacts Europe, then it, it impacts, impacts us. us. Mm-hmm. So um, I just that's another example. It's the me versus the we. Do I like spending seventy dollars on a gallon of gas <laughs> versus thirty five? No, no, I don't. But then I look at what's going on. I'm like, look at the sacrifices of the people that are in Ukraine right now mm-hmm. and compare that to the sacrifices that we have to do in this country of ours. I'm speaking to those of us who live in the United States. It's not that big of a deal. It's it, it it's something that we it's easy for us to focus on and get mad about. Yeah. We can it's easily seen, it's easily felt, it's easily dealt with in as far as like putting our projecting our anger on it. But again, it's that backing up. Let's regroup and be like, why is this happening? Is this one person's fault? Mm-hmm. Is this a years in the making? Is this an experience we have to have right now? Because if we are really um, willing to support a country that is being invaded and in this way with sanctions, we have to understand what that means. There are people, this is what's so confusing is there are people saying, well, I support sanctions and we should be doing more. And then they're like, oh, the gas. gas." It's like, no, no, these things, we, everything, goes together. And, and, and I know it can be hard to back up and see the bigger picture and it's not, and I don't enjoy it. It's not easy, but it is a, um, it's a, again, like these words, they're so universal because it's a compassionate understanding. Just like you said, you don't want to pay more for gas. Neither do I, but do we get it? Mm-hmm. Do we understand? Like we can take this to our experience in our marriages or our kids, our kids are struggling with something. Do we want them to be struggling? Is this, you know, is this what we would choose? You know, maybe they just got a new diagnosis or something happened to them that shouldn't have. No, but we deal with what we have to deal with. We, we wake up every day and say, this is the reality of what's happening now. So what can I do to be of service in this situation? How can I show up in a way that is helpful and supportive? Because going online and and just complaining about things, I understand the feelings behind it, but it's not helping and it's not a broad enough perspective. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of and I and I feel like I wanted to talk about that because it's another reason I wanted to regroup um today is because I'm having to remember again that I can't get involved so much in the news. Um I have to basically what happens to me continuously over my lifetime is I jump into something, start donating, start figuring out what I can do to help, even if it's from afar. And then I get, it's like, I get too much into the mosh pit of it. Mm -hmm. And then I have to remove myself. I have to regroup. It doesn't mean I remove myself and I stop looking. It means that I have to get my act together again Mm -hmm. and I have to get grounded again. And all these things we're talking about reconnect my mind and body and realize that I am not effective for the world. If I'm living in the mosh pit. Sure. And that is something that I have to do over and over again. And so for those of you who are like, Oh, you know, I got totally tied into this political thing again, or I got totally worried about the war again, and I'm too invested. I'm waking up every day thinking about it or something with my child or something with my marriage or something with my friendships. And I'm just like, so overwhelmed about it. And then you have to pull back. That's part of life. We go in and then we have to figure it's again, it's like, I was listening to a podcast yesterday talking about how we are like the tide. We go all in 
And then we got to pull back and that doesn't stop. We don't learn how to not go all in. Yeah. Like we, because sometimes we got to go all in. Yeah. And the, the practice is, is not about condemning ourselves for doing so. It's about learning how to regroup, which well, the, is what I'm having to practice right now. That metaphor of waves and the tide is probably the most helpful to me. I use it for myself when I'm having a bad day or there's illness in the mm-hmm. family or whatever it is. And I can remind myself, like, this is just a wave kind of crashing right. on me. And there's times in our lives when the waves seem to be relentless. And they take us under and we're spinning yes, in and the we're water. Spinning yeah. and all that. Mm-hmm. And then there's moments or days or weeks or for some people, years of their life where it's cool sailing the whole time. Calm waters. Um, mm-hmm. But for some reason, you know, metaphors of mother nature, especially in, and I know Jeff Foster, he wrote that amazing book, um, the deepest acceptance, Mm -hmm. a radical awakening in an ordinary life, something like that. And he uses, I think that's the main metaphor he uses is like, it's all waves, like moment by moment thoughts, like Mm -hmm. negative self-talk, that's a wave. And then all of a sudden you can breathe consciously. That's a way that the tide goes out for a second. So John Kabat-Zinn uses that too, in his Mm -hmm. teachings about mindfulness and meditation, that everything is a wave and that you learn to surf, you know, but that's what meditation is, is at least for me, Um, my meditation practice, it's not huge. It's not long. It just is. And what, what I, the experience I have in meditation is when I first sit down, my mind thinks about everything that I've been thinking about all day. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's this moment where I recognize I'm thinking and I separate a little bit. I listen to the tree. I kind of smell and notice where I am. And that's my practice. Why is that a practice? Because I recognize my thoughts are not me, that they are just happening. And that next time I sit down and meditate, the same thing's going to happen. I'm never going to get to at least maybe I will, but I don't think I'll get to a place where I sit down and immediately I don't, I'm disconnected from thought. It usually takes me some time to even recognize a nowness of a situation. And this is after practicing for a really long time. So I think the reason that Todd and I wanted to do this show about regrouping is because everything we've talked about has been a regroup, but in life, you're going to be constantly regrouping. And that doesn't mean you failed. It's not like, Oh shoot, I have to start a new, Oh, I've gotten away from journaling. You know, I really failed at this. You didn't, you just went in a different direction for a little bit. And now you're regrouping the last chapter of my book, um, about chakra seven. Um, there, the last section is about devotion and devotion to self. And so really it's about what are our practices? How do we, and, and I talk about that sometimes in a devotional practice, you may find yourself like binge watching and Netflixing shows for a week and you're not doing anything, but the practice of recognizing, oh, I need to get back and start journaling. That wouldn't have even happened without the binge week. Sure. So is the binge week really a problem or is that maybe a break that you needed? Well, the binge week is a problem only if our brain decides to make it a problem and that that's part of the process instead of, you know, people who, who choose to use practices like a superstition that becomes a problem in itself, because then you start to base things around, like I didn't meditate. I'm going to have a bad day or I didn't do yoga. My body's going to hurt. And I guess, I mean, I can't debate that only somebody else can have that experience, but I would challenge it a little bit that that sounds to me like a mind thing. That sounds to me like, you are being superstitious about if you step on a crack, then this is going to happen versus having a pretty good practice. But you know, it's like Winnicott, good enough mother, like 
we can be good enough humans. Sure. We're not going to do it all perfectly. Um, and that kind of self-compassion and forgiveness for ourselves is what allows us to wake up one day and go, I'm going to start journaling again, rather than, oh, I suck at journaling. Yeah. It's the shoulds, right? It's right. I had that a Saturday. I'm like, I should read a book. I'm like, I don't want to read a book. I know. You, tell them what we did instead. Uh, oh, we watched first two episodes of Euphoria. Yeah. My, my middle daughter's like, mom, just watch Euphoria so we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to watch it with me. Um, but she's like, she and I love to talk about shows and really it's a good trade-off because she's watching sex in the city now and she's really enjoying it. And that's my favorite show probably of all time, you know, kind of in there with friends and parks and rec and 30 rack and stuff. But she's like now totally gets what I loved about it. So I'm like, okay, I'll dive into euphoria. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not a calm show. <laughs> I don't know when we're going to watch it because the only time you and I have time to watch anything without the girls being around is at night. And I don't know if that's, you know, before we go to bed. And I don't know if we want to put that stuff into our brain before we go to sleep. Well, can we make a deal that we don't have to be together to watch it? Can sure. we just watch when we want? I, something I struggle with, and many of you families may agree with me on this is when we make a commitment to watch things together, you and me, me and Cam, mm-hmm. JC and I, Skylar and Slows I, it down. we don't get anything done yeah. because it's like we, then when I'm by myself, which is rare, I can't watch anything yeah. because then I'm like, you know, not being true to my word with someone. And so I want to have a show that, you know, so euphoria, if I'm like, all right, you're on your own. Okay. And you too, though, do you think you'll still watch it? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I find it to be interesting. It's very well done. Yeah. It's just, um, it's rough. Yes. And I'm trying not to look at it through a lens of this is all truth. I'm trying to look at it through a lens. Well, there was a scene because I worry, you know, I, we had Duffy on a year ago when this first came out and I'm like, God, is this what kids are like? And it's an exaggeration of the way kids are these days. And, um, I worry that my daughter who's watching it might be like, Oh, drugs and sex are cool. And then there was a scene in the first second, the second one. And, um, Rue, Rue who narrates it and the, she's about to take some form of drugs. I don't know which one it is. She took those psychedelics with Jules. And she's like, you know, just pause. Drugs are, here's the thing. Drugs are actually kind of cool. And then they play it again and they're like, until they're not. Mm -hmm. So they see the effects that it has on your brain and it's like psychedelic-y or whatever. And then the next scene, it shows her passed out, almost dead. And her sister finding her. And her sister finding her, throwing up going off to the ER, you know, hanging on to life barely. So it doesn't romanticize, glorify drugs. It actually, I think kids are probably going to be less. I mean, I don't know, but if I were to watch that through a 17 year old lens, I'd be like, I don't think I want to do that, Right. but I don't know. Right. It's hard to really remember what we believed, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it makes it look scary. And I think there is also, this gets into a whole nother discussion about when we're talking to our kids about drugs and alcohol, but it is a lie to say to our children, um, it's awful. It, it'll make you feel awful. You know, drugs and alcohol, they're bad and there's nothing good about them. The reason it's a lie is because if our kids take a drink or, you know, they vape and they, have an experience of a calmness or like a soothing to the, the brain. Alcohol does things to your brain yeah. that makes it feel good. Right. 
And so then they're like, wait a second. Yeah, mom lied to me. Right. And so what we have to include in the discussions about drug and alcohol is just that. Short term, long term. There is a short term, long term. There is an experience. So, like, you know, and I would say to, you know, moms and dads listening to this, for those of you that are like, I'm going to go out for a beer or I'm going to have a glass of wine at night, why are you doing that mm-hmm. if it doesn't mm-hmm. help you feel a certain way? Sure. Um, even if it's situational, yeah. even if it's like, well, I don't love the beer, but I love the way it makes me feel and I feel better with other people and it lets down my inhibitions. Like it's a lie to say it's all bad um, because we're not owning the paradoxical nature of drugs and alcohol. Sure. So, um, that's a whole nother. Yeah. I didn't plan on talking about euphoria, but, um, interesting watch. Yeah. And I know they just finished the second season and you and I are just starting the first. Yeah. So yeah, what that's kind of why I want to like go on my own. Cause I would like to get through. Cause like I said, Cameron loves to talk about it. So. Yes, she does. Um, do we need to go anywhere else? Um, you know, one thing that I wanted to share that I thought might be helpful for people who are trying to regroup is, in the podcast I was listening to yesterday and what it was just so everybody can listen to it on their own. It's unlocking us. And it's the woman who wrote, uh, the light makers manifesto. Um, so it's Brene Brown's podcast and the woman, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but they're good friends. And she wrote the light makers manifesto, which is going to be my book for spring break. And I'm excited to read it. But one of the things that she had suggested to Brene when Brene was having a really hard time was to take a picture every day for like a week, something beautiful. Mm. Take a picture of something beautiful every day. Should I just take a picture of you? Oh, that's nice. Um, but thank you. So what is it that that you find beautiful? And it's kind of fun because again, my daughter that I was just talking about, she's in kind of a, she's in a photography class. She's been taking photography for a long time. So she's in, um, what do you want to call it? I don't want to call it AP. It's like, a doesn't matter. It's just, she has more, there it's more um, focus intense. That's the word. And they had to choose a theme for their whole year. Like the photography you're going to do this year, what's going to be your theme. And she chose the word peace Mm. and her pictures have been all over the place. Mm. Like so interesting, like some of them very obvious and some of them very, really interesting. Like something that could look extreme is actually peaceful, that kind of thing. And so for all of us, like if you're having one of those weeks where you feel like you need to regroup or you're saying every day is bad or every year is bad or everything is bad, maybe make a point to with your phone, with these amazing cameras on our phone, take a picture of something beautiful every day and maybe share it with someone, text it to someone. And maybe in addition to that, take a picture of it and then like really look at it. Yeah. You know, like I could see myself doing that, like check, Mm -hmm. check, check it off Mm -hmm. the list and then Mm -hmm. not even allow it to impact me. Right. Yeah. It's a good point. Like a lot of time, again, you would be doing it like here's my self-care to do. do Yeah. 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 So that's, those are the kind of things I'm contemplating right now. Sometimes spring break, some of you have already had it. Um, but for those of you that have it coming up, that's kind of a good regroup time to get a good book, um, have a different routine. doesn't matter if you're traveling or not. You, you still have a little more space and time to do something different. Um, I sometimes feel when a routine shifts, it's like an opportunity, like, okay, I'm going to not do what I normally do at 8am. I'm going to do something a little different. Mix it up. Yeah. Um, and I do want to say that we had a Zen talk last week Mm -hmm. and, um, few issues, uh, that we talked about 11 year old son friendships, 19 year old daughters with, um, Dealing with, dealing with depression, nine-year-old son with anxiety and perfectionist, perfectionistic issues, and a son being tested for neurodiversity. It was a, it was a very, uh, 
there's a lot going on. Uh, we talked to, usually we only have one or two questions and this time we got four or five in. So it was, there's a lot there. So if you're interested in Team Zen, uh, it's just an opportunity to connect with Kathy and I on Zoom in real time with a, uh, with a bunch of other incredible parents. Yeah. Um, first month is free. So just type in the coupon code FRIEND uh, and you'll get the first month for free. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what else? Oh, Men Living. It's a virtual and in-person community of guys connecting deeply and living fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, check us out at menliving.org. And I do want to plug one of my buddies wrote a book called Gummy Bears for the Soul. Ryan Bayron, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, it's a collection of life lessons that are easy to swallow, but hard to digest as told through a cacophony of stories about my dad that are all definitely true. So kudos to Ryan for writing that book. I read it. Uh, it's an easy book to read. So uh, I'll put uh, the Amazon link in the show notes in case you want to check out Ryan's book. Yeah. Anything else? Books Like right now, as you know, like I said, I'm going to read the Lightmakers Manifesto for spring break. Like books are really fun for spring break, right? Sure. You know, like it's nice to have, even if you're just sitting on your own couch, you know, it's just nice to, that's a regroup for me is when I haven't read a good book in a while. Yeah. And then I have, like I told Todd, I go, sometimes I feel like it's like, it, it, there's nothing new that for me to read. And by the way, I don't read fiction. I read nonfiction, which is, it's just preference. I just don't really get into fiction that much. And, um, and now I have three books. I'm so excited. So, and I'll, obviously if you don't have a book for spring break, um, get Zen Parenting or listen to it um, on your drive. Zen Parenting, caring for ourselves and our children in, in an, an unpredictable, unpredictable world. world. And how interesting that I remember when we came up with that title, I mean, Zen Parenting is what I wanted to be called, but the subtitle, you know, was with my editor and, and, and I remember thinking, well, when this book comes out, I don't know if that'll be as relevant. Yeah. Cause it won't be as crazy of a world. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Um, all right. So, oh, I can't forget about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty. He uh, has been a partner since the very first podcast, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. He's a bald head of beauty. So give him a buzz if you have any home improvement projects. Yeah. And we'll catch you all next Tuesday. Bye, everybody. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are always grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen, pre-ordering Kathy's Zen Parenting book, or subscribing to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com. If you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we will talk to you again next week.